Welcome to the Scuff Podcast, where we talk about U.S. soccer. The USA just beat New Zealand 4 to nothing in the round of 16 at the U-20 World Cup. More of the same from this Mikey Varis coach team dominance. Lots of chances. Took a little while to get that second goal, but we got it, and then the next two came very quickly after that. Here to break it down with me once again is Marcus Sherez, the man behind the U.S. Soccer Collective. Thank you, Marcus, for your time. How you doing? I'm good. Happy to be back here. Happy to celebrate another clean sheet and uh, excited to get into it. Yeah, uh, it's it's not really that different from the other three games so far, right? No, more the same. Um, Might have even had more of a Fiji feel than than the other two games, honestly, but uh mm-hmm. Yeah, another dominating performance. So, uh, just so just to give people a sense of what's going on, Gambia and Uruguay are playing what Thursday, and then we play the winner of that game, I believe, on the fourth of June. I think yeah. Sunday. So we got to wait a few days to see uh, to see who we're playing. Yeah, two days until we know that, and and then we get much more rest than whoever wins that game gets. So. Seems like we're set up well to make a run at the semifinals. Would be the first time in 34 years. Yeah, uh, mostly good news. Let's just get into the lineups. Um, we went back to the three-five-two, which basically we played last in the last uh, game as well. But it was Slanina in goal, uh, Justin Shea, Brandon Craig, and Josh Winder across the back line. A familiar center back pair, uh, not a pairing trio. And then uh, Gomez, Jonathan Gomez at right wing back, as he did against Ecuador. And then Caleb Wiley at left wing back. And then Edelman, uh, McGlynn, and Wolf in the midfield. And then Luna and Cal as the two strikers. Um, anything stick out to you from that? Yeah, I thought a couple big decisions were to, to kind of stick with Wolf as sort of this hybrid midfield attacker. Um, mm-hmm. He was showing up a lot more in kind of the, when breaking the press, showing up in pockets centrally. Um, so yeah, I'm glad you called it a three, five, two, cause that's, that's kind of what it's felt like to me throughout the tournament a little bit more with Wolf dropping in a little bit. Um, so I thought that was a decision uh, instead of playing three true attackers and not starting Yappy or Sullivan, I thought Edelman over Vargas was a decision as well. Uh, Vargas has been playing, uh, really well and, um, I do think it turned out like a lot of the decisions Mikey has been making, um, they all paid out pretty well. I thought Edelman had a, had a really nice game. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we saw Joe go back at right wing back, which probably was, uh, had a little bit more mixed results, but, um, you know, I think it's an attempt to get your best 11 on the field. So, uh, that made sense to me more or less. Yeah. I wasn't against it. It didn't, it didn't really cause us and it didn't it didn't cause any huge problems i didn't think but it didn't really work in the attack because jogo yeah. wasn't wasn't uh gonna beat anybody as we've discussed before and he couldn't he couldn't really get across past the first defender yeah the ball felt like it got stuck a little bit when it got over to him on on the wing on the other hand over on the left side wiley had all kinds of uh all kinds of joy and um ended up causing some real problems for new zealand especially in the second half um, and then, okay, New Zealand was, they came out with, uh, Case Sims in goal. His name will come up later. He had a, he, a major howler for, 
for the first goal, I thought, for the U.S. And then, uh, you know, I guess nominally a 4-2-3-1 from New Zealand. It was uh, Linder at right back, Hughes and Sermon as the center backs, and then Kelly Heald as the left back, and then Conchi and O'Connell McKay as the, the two deeper, deepest midfielders. And then Wallace, Jay Herdman, John Herdman's son, and Garbett as the band of three, and then Kalati, Kalodi, something like that, as the nine. I don't think anybody for New Zealand really stuck out. Herdman had a, had a nice moment early in the game, but uh, we just dominated them pretty much. Yeah, nothing to add there. There are two Vancouver Whitecaps reserve players, Herdman and Linder, so a little bit of MLS flavor in their lineup. But yeah, no, nobody really stood out to me. The first timeline item I have is a, a decent attack from New Zealand. They weren't completely toothless, and they uh, they played it up the right side, and um, it was played it was played into the box, and then cut back and kind of scuffed right in front of goal. Um, Gomez got a foot in to put the shot off, and it was popped up and handled pretty easily by Slanina. So I thought we came out a little slow. First ten minutes up from us were kind of uh, probably our worst ten minutes of the game excepting perhaps the last 10 minutes. Uh, but that, that was a chance for, for New Zealand. They, they had a, one or two other dangerous moments. Yeah, if there's anything to take away defensively, I think the f- couple of times New Zealand saw a little bit of daylight seemed to be sort of the same situation where, and, and probably something a better team that we're you know, likely going to play in the next round um, might notice. Uh, just and I think it's happened multiple times in the tournament, but Winder's the guy in the back three that has the leeway to go up, uh, get involved in the buildup, but also like try to break up any counter uh, attacks and and play press up really high. And I think anytime that doesn't um, the the transition doesn't stop there. Yeah, Wiley's often you know pretty far up as a left winger, there is a lot of space in that area. And then, you know, when, when we're having, we're possessing the ball so far up, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of ground for Edelman and McGlynn to make up. And I think that, that kind of cut back to zone 14 ish area seems to be where we can be exposed if we're hit on the counter fairly quick. So I think, I think just something we need to be aware of uh, going forward. Yeah, definitely. Space, that space behind Wiley and, and sometimes behind Winder when he gets forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that was where, uh, I guess, the two other big moments of danger came from that I can yep. remember. There was, a, there was a penalty check that took a little time. The very handsome ref smiling broadly <laughs> throughout. Uh, and we got no, no replays on the FS2 broadcast for quite some time. Uh, it was thought that maybe Gomez handled the ball on that on that attack I just mentioned, but um they decided no, he didn't. And uh and the game continued. Eight minute mark, I noticed I clocked a nice diagonal ball from Winder to Gomez, you know, f- so from the left center back all the way over to the to the right wing back. Just gotta note just gotta clock that because Craig's been the one playing all the nice balls and it's uh, it's good to see something from Winder in that on that front. Yeah, I got a few other winder notes uh, for some people out there, but I, this was definitely his best game. I thought, you know, it was fair that he had a poor game in the first one, but I, I also 
you know, it was one game. He's a very young center back and I, I had a feeling he would recover in this tournament. I'm, I'm still a pretty big believer in his talent. And I thought, I thought he was a lot more progressive and more aggressive with the ball in this game. Um, and I think he's adjusted a little bit better to the role that he's been playing, which is a new role for him. So overall, I was I was happy with Winder's performance. But yeah, this was a really nice diagonal. There were, there were a few passes that were a little off the mark, but there were more uh, positive ones, I think, in this game than we'd seen in the past. Yeah, your faith. I would say your faith has been vindicated, as has uh, <laughs> Vince's faith. Uh, big, two big Winder fans in the, in the scuffed ecosystem here. Um, let's see. We, yeah, like I mentioned, New Z- we were we were not getting a lot done in the first ten minutes. New Zealand set a line of confrontation just around the edge of the center circle in our half, and you know we they kind of let us tap it around. We, it took us a little while to figure out how to get going, but but we did. You know, pretty shortly after the ten minute mark. Yeah, I thought early on we were just sort of forcing balls. Uh, ground crosses kind of into into nowhere. Um, yeah. But yeah, it that started to stop. get a little bit more expansive as the game <laughs> game moved on. But yes, the crosses into New Zealand defenders' feet kind of continued throughout the game, which was slightly annoying. It's a it's our it's our problem in the one of our problems in the attacking third. We just kind of run out of ideas. Uh, Winder, I got to notice Winder. Tried for the scissor kick on, I think it was a McGlynn cross. Maybe it was a Gomez cross. And uh, it was kind of cool. It just didn't, didn't, didn't fully connect with it. Went right at the keeper. 10.45 mark. Uh, I want to say Canada, but it's not Canada. It's New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> nearly, nearly scores on the counter. It's, uh, it's Jay Herdman running at, I think it was Winder, and then cuts in on his left foot. Winder's Winder's not real strong in the one v one there, and um, and Herdman's shot he doesn't he doesn't fully connect with this one either, but it does force Slanina down to his right to make a good save. Uh, if the shot was better placed, it's probably a goal. And um, yeah, how did it develop? I think you yeah. saw that better than me. Yeah, I th- if I remember right, I think it was again where um, we. We had a lot of numbers upfield. They were able to kind of, I think, make a pass or two to to break the counter press. One of the few times they were able to break through the counter press, and um, yeah, Herdman got some space behind Winder, and I think Winder was sort of, you know, running to recover, and um, Herdman fainted like he was going to shoot with his right, cut in on his left, and Winder took the bait. And yeah, I mean that that what it comes down to in the beginning of this game is, uh, you know, you need your goalkeeper to come up and make a play. I wouldn't say it was an out of this world save, but it was a good save. Yep. One he had to make and he did got enough on it so that the ball, um, you know, went wide of the post. And so, you know, that's all, you know, we know Slanina may not have a ton to do in these games, but when, just like last game, when he did, he, he, he showed up. So, uh, it was important. It could have changed the complexity of the game for sure, if or the complexion of the game, if uh, if you know there was a mistake there. Yeah. Yep. Good point. And um, and it's going to be borne out with the U.S. goal. It was in the 14th minute. 
kind of uh you know a weird goal a little bit it was uh it was a tap 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 into zone 14 from mcglynn to luna to wolf nothing too complicated just sort of tapping it across the top of the box and wolf just strikes it low and slow through the defender's legs through the nearest defender's legs and it's it's headed far post just rolling along the ground almost in slow motion and uh sims the goalkeeper for new zealand he dives for it and right at the last second pulls his hand out of the way i mean it's that was that's what i saw in the replay is that what you saw yes but i think like the third the third shot that you know you're kind of wondering was it just one of those that was perfectly placed that did the the keeper kind of get you know stuck in the ground and just you know couldn't explode out of his stance or did it take a funny bounce it was it was an odd one because it was from deep and not hit super cleanly but yeah i think he just he didn't know didn't know where his post was and lifted up his hand and that's that bad mistake yeah very silly he yeah it seems like he thought it was rolling out of bounds and um instead it went into the goal one zero usa we'll take celebration yeah we'll take it for sure um and uh and then the goalkeeper quickly went and got himself a baseball cap uh, sure did so. I, had I, don't to, know, I, I don't know what I, it had to do with the goal, but maybe he's just seeing like a lot of sun and I got to get that cap on. It was important to the future narrative of why it happened. I guess. Yeah. But your, your point about goalkeepers being important is, uh, you know, pretty well highlighted by these two moments. Yeah, absolutely. And then, so I'll, I'll jump into the next one. Um, yeah. I, I thought we started to really expose New Zealand's press after the first goal, maybe we loosened up a little bit, but it was a pretty soft kind of three-quarter press that we were finding a lot of space in, in the middle of the field. Um, at 15, 10 or so, just a really nice sequence. So Luna was dropping in whenever McGlynn and Edelman were getting covered up. So Luna drops in, um, gives Winder an outlet, and he plays a really kind of decisive, nice ball almost exactly to the center of the field to Wolf who took a really lovely, just kind of opens his, the inside of his uh, boot takes a nice little touch to Cal. Also one touches it to Edelman who immediately kind of slides wily into space. So he's starting to run full speed down the left channel, mm-hmm. um, carries it just a couple yards short of the end line, cuts it back, but n- nobody home. Unfortunately, I think Wolf or Wolf, Cal, and Jogo kind of all crashed the goal mouth, hmm. um, and then Wiley, you know, is looking for that cutback and just kind of slides to nobody. Uh, so just clocking it again because this cutback seems to be a pattern. We continue to sort of uh, fumble up a little bit, but we just needed one of those guys to hang back, and I think it's a it's a wide open goal, but. Yeah. Uh, the buildup leading to that was really lovely. Yeah. Just a little too thirsty are the three guys crashing the goal. Somebody's <laughs> yeah. got, somebody's got to play it cool and hang back. Um, yeah. Why don't you take the next one too? And the like, I think around the 18 minute mark. Yeah. I think, you know, the opposite happening when New Zealand's trying to break our press. So to me, it just became very clear, very early that, they didn't really have the quality on the ball to consistently break down our press. And it looked like it was going to be a problem for them for 
uh, a good bit of the game. And I think that definitely manifested itself. Um, they got a little bit cleaner in the second half and made some adjustments, but um, overall, I just don't think they had the quality to be able to do it consistently when our press is, um, was pretty um, sound and resolute. So yeah, it was, it was at this point where I was like, okay, this is going to give them some problems all game. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, our press was really good in this game, at least against this opponent. And it probably does have a lot to do with their ability to, you know, their skill and, um, you know, just savvy about breaking it. But we created a lot of chances from the press 20th minute. Uh, there's a Wiley cutback cross, another one of those that, that deflects off a defender and, and hits the, hits the, hits the crossbar kind of bounces off the bottom of the cross crossbar keeper rooted to the spot would have been a hilarious way to go up to zero and two really, um, you know, kind of weird goals, but didn't go in and it got, uh, got cleared away. 22nd minute, a great ball over the top from McGlynn to Cowell and Cal gets wrecked with a perfect tackle in the box. Kind of a quiet, first half from Cade Cowell, I thought. Um, I'm not sure why that was, but as the game opened up in the second half, he, he, sh- he certainly got to have his fun. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd also clock that it's about this point where I'm really tired of the announcer calling Justin Shea, Shea Justin. <laughs> uh, this is that where it was, it was like noticeably irritating me as I was watching the game. Yeah. Yeah, it was that was uh, that was crazy. What, what did he? What else did he do? He was calling Josh Winder Winder Winder. Yeah. Um. You know, whatever. It's a it's a U twenty World Cup. They're they're not putting the best and brightest on these games. Um. Let's see. Lots of lovely play through the middle. You described some of it with that moment in the sixteenth minute, but um, McGlynn Luna or McGlynn Wolf. We can just uh, we just very easily cut through. Uh cut through New Zealand and get rolling into the final third. It's just once we get into the final third, what are we going to do? And we, we didn't quite have it sorted out. Yep. Yeah. A lot of this, a lot of pockets of space, a lot of good one touch combination. Um, even when we're losing the ball, we're winning it back relentlessly, which I think has been um, a theme of the tournament. We're just been really good at uh, getting the ball back quickly, which is uh sign of a strong squad so this kind of just continued yeah edelman a big part of that um wolf too i think mcglynn even got in on some action um there was a nice press break from new zealand in the 32nd minute uh they can't but they can't get it into a dangerous spot so it cycles back and then all, all of a sudden we're pressing them again edelman wins it in the press to luna to wolf wolf shoots this time from 25 yards and hits it hits it pretty well but it it's wide I, I didn't see a replay to see how wide it was but it looked close and then yeah you go ahead in the 34th minute yeah i just want to give vince a shout out because he well not really a shout out because i clock winder with a really nice finesse left-footed pass again and i keep hearing that he doesn't have a left foot so i'm just gonna clock a couple more where winder uses his left successfully yep 34th minute, uh, nice cage, cage match work from Wolf, a player I've been a little bit critical of uh, to get past two players. He drives into, the, into zone 14, plays it over to Cowell. Cowell's shot is blocked, and then, but falls to Wolf, and he plays it back to McGlynn, 
And then you want McGlynn shooting from this spot. I feel like I do. And it, but his shot from 20 goes over. He hasn't been able to, he hasn't been able to keep him on frame from that distance much this tournament, which is going to change one of these times. Yeah, that's kind of, that's what I'm thinking. Like it's a matter of time at this point. Uh, he's just saving it for, for a big one. So I think he keeps getting these chances. I think one's about to find the back of the net. So yep. I'm fine with him continuing to, to have these. 37th minute is when I start to really feel like Gomez is not being able to, is not able to do much with the ball wide when he's on that right side. This was a, I think he cut in on his left. Sometimes he tried to cut in on his left. He'd get dispossessed. This time he cut in on his left. He played a, he played a pass, tried to play a cross and it just went over everybody. I, I I wonder if, uh, you know, Boris is, is tempted to start holiday over him. Right. That's, that's, that's where my head was at as well. It's, I, I, I appreciate the creativity to try to get your best players on the field, but um, I don't know that in that in that situation or in that role, if he is more effective than Halliday, I think Halliday's going to provide you a lot of you know good defense, and um, especially if we see a little bit more of Paredes on the right in the future, you know Halliday providing that width so that yeah. Paredes can cut in on his left foot might be a better combination. There might be too many left-footed players on the field if, if Paredes does get a start at some point. Um, so, yeah, I, don't, I, I would be thinking about it if I'm Mikey. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's not a big enough problem where you're like, it has to change, but it might, it might be a little bit more effective to have a natural right-footed player over there. Right. And Halliday's been, you know, there hasn't been that much drop off when he's come on the field. I, th- I think he's been pretty good. Yeah, no, I wouldn't say so. 40th minute, uh, Cowell accidentally destroys a guy running down a ball in the channel. I don't think he even meant to do anything to him. The guy just fell down and got hurt. I, I don't know how badly hurt he was, but um, he picks it up. He kind of waits. He's like, wait, is there going to be a whistle here? But then he picks it up, dribbles, dribbles along the end line and tries to tap it across the six. Gomez gets a toe to it, but it trickles across the face of goal. So another near, I mean, it just felt like we were about to score there. There were a lot of chances here at the end of the first half. We're not going to go through all of them, but right at the, right at the death, right at like the six minute of stoppage time, there was a, a, I believe it was a corner kick that ended up out, got cleared out to Edelman and he had a, a nice volley, a strike low to the keeper's right that was saved. And then the ball ends up over with McGlynn. And he just, this is a lovely pass from him, just kind of teases a curling ball behind the back line. Both Josh Winder and Justin Shea are charging at it. I think Winder's the one who reaches it um, and it pops it over on the stretch. So another near, another near goal for us. And then the half arrives. Half arrives, yeah. I think the story is New Zealand's press isn't bothering us too much, was sort of surprised that they stuck with it yeah, uh, and they actually got more aggressive, I think in the second half, uh, which I thought was a interesting tactical uh, approach. And then, uh, yeah, just a lot of chances, nothing dropping. Um, well, one dropping. Um, yeah. I thought, I thought in general, the wingbacks were struggling at this point a little bit just to get in good service, uh, both Wiley and Jogo. Um, I thought Wolf had an excellent half. I think 
you know, that he was probably the one that people were questioning the most in terms of the starting lineup, but um, the interchange and kind of fluidity that was happening in the midfield um, with really, you know, three or four natural midfielders uh, playing Wolf was just doing a lot of uh, good turning and traffic ball security. And then obviously had the goal, but overall I thought he was playing really well at this point. Um, yeah. And I talked already a little bit about the, the one kind of uh, exposure area when Winder gets pulled up and we got a bunch of players, you know, in, in, New Zealand's final third that can be a little bit of a danger area, but it didn't really uh, continue to happen in the second half. We cleaned that up a little bit. Yeah, we started to really we started to really flex on them. So yeah, those are good notes. Forty sixth minute, uh, McGlynn wins it in the press, and Luna releases Cal into the Man City zone, and his left footed cross is right at Sims, the keeper. Um, what were you seeing around this time in the game? Yeah, just I'm I'm loving kind of what I'm seeing from both Edelman and Winder. So Winder was doing a bit of enforcing. I thought he um he had a nice uh crunching tackle to initiate a transition and then uh Herdman tried to play a one two around him. He passed the ball and uh Winder just kind of bodied him and uh he fell right to the ground. So I just like to see that kind of enforcing behavior from Winder. And then Edelman just seems to be winning everything. Every second ball is timing when um, he's kind of going into a duel in the press is always just really spot on. And he, he wins a lot of those duels. So I, I think all said and done, I think Vargas has been great in the tournament, but Edelman did seem to be the right guy for what they needed in this game. And I thought he was, he was doing a really good job all game. Yeah. What is the trade-off there? Because it seems to me that Vargas is better on the half turn, you know, a little more comfortable with that sort of 360-degree awareness than Edelman is. But but is Edelman more, uh, just more industrious in the press? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, I think he's just got really good instincts um, in the press and breaks up a lot of the, the transition moments even when we turn the ball over. But yeah, Vargas is going to give you a little bit more in terms of progressing the ball. Um, I do at times get frustrated that Edelman isn't looking to to turn and be positive. He's sometimes, you know, he's just bouncing it back to the center back too often. But I do think he's a little underrated and, and he's pretty clean on the ball. His passes are not always, you know, incredibly dynamic, but they're typically accurate. They're typically to the right spot. So yeah. he 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 has some ability on the ball. He's not a total, you know liability there so i i do think i think those are probably the trade-offs yeah okay 50th minute we get a huge chance it's uh a mcglynn uh a mcglynn ball on the ground sort of i guess you can't call it a dime if it's a ball played on the ground but it was a really nice pass on the ground to wiley who's making a very well-timed run into the box wiley plays the ball across for jogo this is this is the cutback this is the run and the cutback everything's perfect uh, Jogo tries to hit it with his right foot and he just, I, I don't know if he even scuffed it. I don't know if you can even say that. It kind of went off the outside of his boot or maybe his toe and out of bounds from five yards out. Now he was under some pressure from a defender on his right shoulder, but the goal was open and you'd like to see him put that one away. Um, yeah, you know, the earlier one I called out, I think I was mistaken for this one. So this was, this was the moment where 
Yeah, it just rolled off of his right foot in a weird way. Yeah. Okay. I think the other one was off his right. Well, I can't remember. Um, there's an Edelman shot that goes over after a Wiley Cross gets punched over to him. And I don't know what precipitated this comment on the Discord, but I wanted to highlight it because I think it's sort of, it's sort of um, captures Cade Cowell in a nutshell. And it was Nancy who said, the day when Cowell becomes a proactive rather than reactive striker will be glorious. And um, I feel like that's, that's what it comes down to. When he starts to see the opportunities before they develop and, and using, uses all that speed and, frankly, power to, um, to get to those spots, is, it's gonna be, he's going to be a real, a real handful. And I think he will probably grow that way. He's still a young player. Yeah, I mean that is that really is it. I think if whenever that comes, if that comes, he's going to be a real problem. Um, so, I I've been on the train of, I think it's probably time for him to leave San Jose. Not not necessarily because you know it's good that he's playing. He's playing a bunch this year, but he hasn't really taken big steps forward the last few years. And these are the years where he, you know, tactically or he should be becoming more of a proactive striker. So I just wonder if a change in scenery, a change in, you know, development approach might just be what he needs. So um, he's definitely not hurting his stock uh, in the tournament. I don't know if he's massively improving it. I think he's kind of, what we all think he is and probably what, you know, the people who get paid to do this think he is. But, um, I do wonder if it's just a change of scenery is what he needs. And that's kind of what I'd like to see this summer. Hmm. Yeah. I'd be for it. I mean, he's been a, he's been an absolute handful for the opponents in this tournament. And we'll see, we'll see that here shortly. Cause basically the rest of the episode is going to be goals, but, um, let's see. 56th minute. New Zealand press it, breaks our press pretty cleanly right behind Wiley, as we sort of discussed earlier. Um, it's uh, Craig, you know, Craig kind of retreated from the winger as, as Wiley was eliminated and left, left a lot of space for him. I wasn't sure that was the right thing to do, but in any case, it was, uh, the cross was smothered by Slanina. It wasn't really, it was a bad cross, if we're honest. But I do wonder, did you, did you clock that moment? Did you notice that? I didn't. I think what okay. I was what I was noticing here that not to say that that wasn't the case. I just noticed like the energy really had dropped. Like it looked like I don't know if our legs were heavy. I mean, it turned out that they weren't because we picked it back up. But in this in the mid fifty minutes, I was just like, oh, we just kind of look a little lethargic. And it was you know being only up one zero, it was starting to make me a little bit worry. nervous. But yeah. uh, I was wrong. Yeah. Well, let's go right to the next, right to the goal. The 61st minute. It's another press created chance. Shea wins it, wins an errant pass over to Wolf. Wolf plays it to Luna. Luna plays it to Cowell, who stands his guy up just inside the box and just uh, punches it through his legs with his left foot. A perfect strike. Hits the side netting. No chance for the keeper. 2 0 USA. That's three goals in the tournament for Cowell. Two assists on the game for Luna. And uh, and we're up two zero, and it felt like that was the end of the game, pretty much. Yeah, it did, and yeah, it was a it was a really interesting strike by Cal. I think it, the defender and the goalie didn't seem like they were expecting it him to play it 
to kind of strike it quick with his left foot and he hit it super clean. Yeah. Um, the amount of power he generated with his off foot into the side netting was pretty impressive. Yeah, because I, I assume they're expecting him to try to nudge the ball onto his right foot and curl it far post or take it to the end line and, and um, cut it back. But he didn't either. Excellent technique and choice. And, you know, it was kind of a celebration from then on. Luna gets a chance in the 64th minute on a, with the press. I forget who won it, but the press put the ball at his feet just inside the box. He dragged it back and touched it out to his right. Real elegant. And, um, and then sent it two feet wide of the far post. He's having, I should mention here, Luna's having a lot of fun out there. And you could tell on the broadcast, every time the ball was at his feet, the crowd got a little more into it. He's, he seems like a crowd favorite down there. Yeah, it, he's definitely got that flair that I think uh, South American fans like to see. And he's growing into the false nine role a little bit. I think it's yeah. becoming more and more um, effective. And if he can just kind of get a better feel for when to, when to keep it, when to release it, um, it could be really dangerous. But I was definitely earlier in the tournament more in favor of a traditional yappy uh, striker, but Luna False Nine is starting to grow on me, definitely. Yeah, me too. So Halliday comes on for Wiley. Um, Jogo goes over to the left wing back spot, and then Obed Vargas comes on for Jack McGlynn. Uh, they both get some much needed rest, I would say. And then in the 75th minute, we get our third goal of the game. It's Luna on the counter. Um, it's, a, it's a set piece that I th- or something that gets headed out to Luna. And he just goes, he's off to the races. He shows off a little bit of his speed. The guy who's chasing him is trying to drag him down, trying to take a tactical yellow, and Luna just will not allow it. And continues, shrugs the guy off, plays Cowell wide. I think Cowell, I'm actually, at first I thought, well, Cowell should have played it across to, um, to Justin Shea or whoever it was on the other side mm-hmm. um, immediately when he got on the ball. I don't know if it was on. I think the, it was unclear to me whether there was a defender in the way or not. Anyway, he, he eliminates the goalkeeper, Cal does, by going to the end line. His touch takes him a little too wide, and he tries to play it across, but doesn't quite connect with the ball, so it trickles across for Luna. Luna tries to stab it home from basically point blank with the outside of his boot, but there are two guys in his way, and he doesn't, um, he doesn't finish. Fortunately, the rebound falls to Justin Shea, and he just takes it on the half volley and thumps it home, three zero. Yeah, goal Shea Justin. <laughs> Shea Justin <laughs> on the score sheet, and then Shakiris comes on for Luna. Pukstis comes on for Wolf. Give me some. Give me some more Winder news. Yeah, just another one for you, Vince. Another another nice little left pass by Winder. Just telling you, he's got it. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, a couple things to note. A nice ball in transition from Cowell to Shakiris. Cowell has that ability to play a good pass when he has the he game does. in front of him. Yep. And this was, a, this was a lovely ball. And behind, Shakiris is in on goal, but kind of just gets it stuck underneath him. He looked a little, it looks, can look a little overly upright, you know? And um, he, he gets the ball stuck underneath him, has to recycle it backwards. That sort of cancels out the the chance that is created by Cal. I don't know. Shakiris does still look a little rusty to me. What do you think? Yeah, I I guess a little bit. Um, 
but I still think he's got, you know, maybe the best composure in the final third of, of any yeah. of the players. So um, I'm willing to take a loose touch here there if um, he's able to make something happen or, you know, find that extra pass that some of the other guys are not finding in the final third. So there's the, the, the reward out, out risks uh, or outweighs the risk for me on him. Okay. Yeah. I agree. He's uh he's the, he's a prober of the defense along with Luna and um does make, does seem to make pretty good decisions. Another left footed player too, by the way, but if we had McGlynn, Shakiris, uh, Wiley, Gomez, and Paredes out there all at the same time. Is there anybody else who's left-footed? All five that, of those are left. I think that's it. But yeah, that's, that's a lot of southpaws. Yeah. And then in the 82nd minute, we get the we get the fourth goal. It's a it's a Brandon Craig set piece. We've talked about how good his set pieces have been. Um, and this one is uh, just uh, smoked over the goalkeeper at the back post. The goalkeeper waves at it helplessly, and Rokas Pukstis, who had just come on, thumps it home from an inch out, 4-0, and we celebrate. Be- yeah, beautifully executed, perfect ball, um, clearly set up to get Pukstis free in the back post. Um, this is something Rokas is going to bring to this team. So this is our this is our first set-piece goal, I think. And uh, Pukstis has, you probably... Others have heard me say this before, but he's got a he's got some Weston McKenney to him. He's uh scores a lot of goals in the air and he's just got you know, he's got a good vertical jump, good timing. Um this was an easier one for him, but he's capable of of being a problem in the air. So huh. that's something he's gonna add to the team. Uh and you know, no surprise that the play was set up to get to get him free on the back post. So keep an eye out for that. I think uh Craig and McGlynn delivering to to one more aerial threat. Pooksis could be the difference in in those numbers. So nice little welcome back for him. Gets right into the game and scores a goal. Yeah, yeah, love to see it. And then uh, Paredes comes on for Cowell and um, immediately trips on the ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> he, he, did get, he he did get a well. Go ahead, go ahead. No, yeah, he, I think he looked like he caught like a a divot in the on the pitch, which. The field was not great. I don't know if you noticed that, but the ball was not rolling super cleanly in the central parts of the field. But yeah, it looked like he caught a ghost there. And then I think like one minute later, he, uh, like, I think Shea plays him a ball and he just kind of whiffed on the half turn and, and, uh, turned it over again. So we're just going to chalk that up to jet lag. We know, we know Kevin's better than that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely jet lag. I think on the first one, the one where he, you know, really just gave the ball away in space was um he did have a he did kind of get tripped by the defender behind him a little bit like you know like two two paces before two steps before he fell um but i do think you know we'll see how paredes plays in the next in the next one and we'll see if he starts you know i don't know if that's a that's a given but the i i think there's a little bit of an idea in the fan base that like kevin paredes is just head and shoulders above everybody else on this team I've I've never really thought that, and um, I may it may turn out to be true. I've been wrong on a lot of on a lot of fronts, but I don't know. I don't you know, I don't see Paredes as like this huge um, savior who's going to come in and like carry us the way I think some people do. Yeah, I I, I think that's totally fair, um, and I think 
part of what you're saying is maybe not an indictment on Predis, but also putting a little respect on the rest of the yeah uh, the roster. I mean, it's a it's a pretty there. One thing that I've noticed is there just aren't a lot of like noticeable weak links, and I and I think um, you know we haven't played the toughest opponents yet, so we're gonna probably you know potentially see like an Uruguay squad that's probably pretty good. Um, but I think overall it's been a very, you know, consistent balanced performance up and down the the roster. So yeah, I don't think Paredes is head and shoulders, um, a lot better than the other players that are on the team. I think he is gonna, he can be valuable. He does have yeah for some sure. skill, but I think to call him, you know, head and shoulders, the best part on the team is probably a little unfair. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to mischaracterize people. I don't know that anybody's saying he's the best player on the team, but he um maybe some people are, but I just don't think I don't think he's going to he's going to be a total game changer for us. Though he will be useful, of course. Um the only other thing I have is the big tackle from Shay Justin at the end of the game. <laughs> uh there's a there's a ball in behind, a bit of a missed challenge from Craig and Shay is the one who's there to he's basically facing two attackers, one with the ball, one arriving in the middle of the box. And he, he manages to take the ball from the ball carrier and uh, send it out of bounds and celebrates like he just scored a goal, which I love to see. And I, I'll take the opportunity to say that Mr. Justin has been quite good in this tournament, quietly at first, but it seems like he's, his performances have been louder in their goodness uh, as the tournament has gone on. Yeah, I think that's really fair to say. And, you know, he's one of the players I think who needed to have a good tournament. You know, there's, there's been a lot of discourse around like, well, how important is the U20 World Cup to like raise your stock? Like, you know, especially for the players that, that didn't get released in MLS, like, is it more important that they're at the U20 World Cup versus playing for their MLS club? And I think it's probably fair that like, the data that scouts and and front office people are getting from playing in MLS is probably more important than the data here. But for players like Shea, who've kind of had a meandering path, I think this was this is a really important tournament for him. And what he's showing, I think, that has been sort of the the question mark is just his defensive awareness and solidity. And he's been I think for the most part, really solid uh, defensively. And yeah, I love seeing the team celebrate these defensive plays just as much as they're celebrating goals. And Shea specifically has kind of been doing that all tournament. I've noticed he's just, you know, kind of known as being more of a calm, quieter guy, but getting pumped up for these, you know, big defensive challenges. So it's, it's cool to see. And I think a lot of the guys who I think needed to have a big tournament are playing really well. And I think it's going to be, it is going to be useful for you know where they land in the future. All right. On to Gambia or Uruguay. The On, Gambia. Uh, the Gambia, yeah. Very small country, both in population and in uh, land size. Um, yeah, that'll be interesting to see who wins that one. Yeah, I mean, I think the Gambia was sort of a surprise in their group, played pretty well. And, you know, Uruguay, I think, only loss was to England, and that was like a I think a like three, burner. three, two, four, three games. So, yeah, I think it'll be a challenge either way. I'm definitely going to tune in and um, 
and and see what we're going to be going up against. So excited for that. And let's get past this quarterfinal quarterfinal hurdle, shall we? Then beat Brazil, probably, right? And then uh, and then beat Argentina on their home soil in the final. Well, Brazil would be a kind of full circle cycle for this group. Because if those that remember, this age group started a couple years ago in the Confederations Cup, and they got absolutely blasted by Brazil, like four or five to zero. Not a lot of the same players playing, to be fair. It was the first time Mikey was with the group. And I think they were like together two days before they had to play Brazil. But it would be kind of an interesting moment to get to play them again and see how far the guys have come. So I'm oh, definitely hoping right. for that. That'd that, was the, cool that was the Revelations Cup, right? Was oh, it? Revelations Cup. I said Confederations Cup. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. It was an Asian, an Asian <laughs> Cup. Yeah. I mean, a Revelation is bigger than a Confederation, if, if you really think about it. Stop. <laughs> yeah. Think about it. Um, all right. Well, uh, thanks, thanks again, Marcus. I'll put uh, the link to the U.S. Soccer Collective and Marcus's Twitter account in the, in the show notes. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you.